Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brand. I'm a certified functional medicine practitioner and a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. I work worldwide via phone, Skype, FaceTime, Zoom, all sorts of crazy ways and apps and amazing things on the internet now to reach people. But my goal is to help people find and fix the root causes of their health problems. Most people have been to 5, 10, 15, 20 doctors before they get to me, and luckily we get better results. I don't say that to toot my horn. I say that because it's the reality. I've got 280 plus five-star reviews of my clinic from my clients. I actually got hate mail the other day. You're going to like think this is maybe not crazy, but I guess in the world of the way people are, this this doesn't sound crazy. But anyway, I had a guy email us who was a professor from a university, well-known university, who wanted to work with us for his adrenal issues. And he gave us hate mail because he says there's no way that someone could have as many reviews as I have and as good of reviews as I have. He says it's not possible for someone like you, which I don't know what that means, for someone like you to have all of these five-star reviews. And I said, okay, so you don't think my clinic reviews are real or or what? How, how, about, how about my, uh, at the time, let me, let me load it real quick. I'm going to tell you how many are on the Apple Podcast app. And the number changes all the time. And I appreciate your reviews. I hope you will go review and add some stars to my show while you're listening right now on your Apple Podcast app. Please, 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 I will love you hit the write a review button, give me some reviews for the Evan Brand Show. But at the time of this, I have 584 five-star reviews with a total of 4.8 stars. And I think there was only two out of like almost 600 people that gave me a four-star review, but then they said the show was amazing. So maybe they accidentally didn't give me five-star reviews. But the point is, this guy was mad at me because my reviews were too good. And he thought it couldn't be possible that someone would have this many good reviews. Anyway, I was like, dude, I don't know what to say, but you're crazy. So anyhow, I'm very grateful to be able to help people. And today we're going to dive into a podcast all about the top five supplements for brain function. These are things I use personally and clinically. I hope that you enjoy. If you do need help, please reach out at my site and don't send me hate mail for my good five-star reviews of my clinic. My website, evanbrand.com slash free is the link where you can book a 15-minute free call. We'll ask you to put a credit card on file just for accountability purposes. Make sure you're serious. My staff, Megan Gump, her schedule's booked. We don't want anybody wasting her time, so that's why the card's there, but you do not get charged. It's just for accountability. So check it out, and then my AuraRoots.com store. We are still flying off the shelves with the vitamin C tonic. That's something we've been using for the last year clinically to help people's immune system stay strong. It's delicious. It's about 2,500 milligrams of a mixed ascorbate with the quercetin, the rutin, the citrus bioflavonoids you need to actually get the vitamin C to absorb, make it bioavailable. This is far better than the emergency and all the crap you're buying at the checkout counter at Walgreens. Check out my vitamin C tonic. I'll put the link in the show notes. I hope you enjoy it. It's delicious. I've got some on my desk right here, and it tastes amazing with really cold water. And I also put a lot of my bitter adaptogenic herbs and that kind of stuff in there, so I make it a really nice little potion. All right, that's it, and here we go. Evan, what's happening, man? Oh, not too much. Been reading about some of these herbs, and these are something that we do personally and clinically. I just want to point that out from the beginning, the difference between you and I and conventional practitioners is they're not taking the drugs. They're not experimenting with the stuff they're prescribing. They're not putting people on the depression drugs and the beta blockers and all of that and the Adderall and the Vivance and all the cognitive enhancing drugs. They're not doing that themselves. So the cool thing about us is that we believe in what we do and we 
want to try these things and see how they perform on us. And what if we mix it with that nutrient? How does that combine with this diet approach? And how does that combine with good sleep and good sunshine? So I think it's fun because you and I have personal insight into these things and not just the clinical insight. And that really, I think, makes you a better practitioner, but it makes you make a better protocol because you know how you feel and then you can then tweak the nutrients based on that. 110%. So, I mean, I think based on our clinical performance, I mean, just kind of, we always start with the low hanging fruit. So like if people are coming into the show and they, you know, want a lot of the nuance, more granular stuff, right? Supplement wise, we'll talk about that too. But we also have to make sure people that are coming in that don't have a good foundation, we have to assume that foundation's not there. So of course, getting inflammation in the body down and in, in the gut makes a huge difference because inflammation in the gut will create inflammation in the brain. And inflammation in the brain will activate certain immune cells in the brain, right? So you have these astrocytes, which are like that make up the blood-brain barrier, which prevent things on the inside going into the brain, right? Outside going in. So if you can have good blood-brain barrier, that's important. And then once you get things going into the blood-brain barrier, into the brain, that's going to activate these cells, these immune cells called microglial cells. And these are basically part of the brain's immune system that go in there and clean up inflammation and gunk. And when those brain cells or immune cells are activated, those microglial cells are activated, that's actually going to create cognitive issues, brain fog and things like that, mood issues. A lot of the new wave of antidepressants and mood medications that are coming out are actually working on brain inflammation. So we know inflammation plays a massive role. And the hallmark of inflammation is going to be cytokines, interleukins, C-reactive protein, maybe other inflammatory metabolites, nuclear factor kappa beta, of course, um, you know, part of the inflammation is going to be a, an activation of the immune system on one side, and usually there are cells that are going to be broken down at a faster rate than they're building up, whether it's inflammation from bad foods, uh, excess omega-6 junky fats, uh, trans fats, hydrogenated oils, uh, pesticides, mold toxins, could be bacterial toxins, mycotoxins from fungus and yeast, uh, acetaldehyde from alcohol and yeast byproducts. So all of our, our gut bacteria, yeast, uh, parasites, all of these things are going to create endotoxins or internal toxins, endogenous toxins in the body. And then, of course, we have exogenous toxins in the environment like our mold, heavy metals, pesticides, um, chemicals like that, plastics, xenoestrogens, all of these things are going to be in the environment. And of course, all the foods you put into our body. And then, of course, the more nutrient poor our food are, right? The more nutrient poor our food is, the more crap, the more junk, the less nutrients you have to run those metabolic pathways to run optimally. Yeah, great job laying the groundwork because people coming in are going to say, well, why? Why do we need a whole podcast dedicated to improving brain function? And the answer is because we're up against so much. So you did a great job kind of highlighting that. It's the food, it's the air, it's the water, it's the heavy metals. It could be the silver amalgam fillings in your mouth. I mean, there's a lot of things that are in our environment now that are neurotoxic. They're not just highly estrogenic and endocrine disrupting, but they're also neurotoxins and we're breathing them in every day. And you and I've measured hundreds, if not thousands at this point of clients around the world. And I'm, I've seen children as young as two and three years old with massive toxicity from gasoline additives to phthalates to xylene to nail polish chemicals and hairspray chemicals and 2,4-D and glyphosate. I mean, it's amazing just how toxic people are. I would tell you just based on looking at this clinically, the most toxic people on the the planet right now, according to me running all these labs, would be children less than age 10. 
And I think it's due to just the toxicity of the planet that's increased, but also this maternal transfer through breast milk and through the placenta. All the women that grew up in the 70s and 80s and 90s and now 2000s that are having children, that multi-generational toxicity really built up. Whereas someone like my grandparents, you know, growing up in the 1940s, glyphosate wasn't even around for the first 30 plus years of their life. So they're yeah. just... There, there yeah. was a lag, basically, and now yeah. the lag has caught up. Exactly, and there's a lot of environmentalists out there that are, you know, talking about CO2 and things like that. Well, CO2 is plant food. I mean, I really wish the conversation about the environment really switched to pesticides and um, xenoestrogenic compounds. I think these, one, they're affecting us. They're getting into our groundwater. They're getting into our food. They're affecting our kids you know, much more than like, let's say CO2 would, right? Because I mean, you can just grow more plants, have more plants around you to, to um, take and, and basically, you know, use that CO2 for photosynthesis to make glucose and, and for plant fuel, essentially. But things like toxins, right? I mean, you need to actually, there's nothing in nature that's going to be buffering that um, like I know plants buffer CO2, right? I don't, I'm not aware of it. And so we have to use special filtration, whether it's air filtration, like for instance, in Evan's situation, Evan's very sensitive to fumes and scents. So he has a really good high quality Austin air filter with activated charcoal and zeolite and impregnated potassium iodide to filter a lot of those volatile organic compounds out. Or if we're using something on the water side, we're using a really high quality carbon or reverse osmosis filter to filter out pesticides and chemicals and pharmaceutical drugs that are actually in our water. So we actually have to go through extra modalities and methods to filter these things out. I'm just far more concerned about these things than, you know, more natural forming things. So I hope that conversation can shift because it plays a big role on our mood and our energy and our brain performance. And so kind of switching things back to our brain function, getting inflammation dialed in. And of course, I talked about nutrient density. Why is nutrient density important? Well, B vitamins are the low-hanging fruit for brain function, okay? And B vitamins are going to be the highest in high-quality animal products, especially animal meat, and then, of course, our high-quality vegetables. So that should be, in my opinion, the foundation of our diet is kind of this really good paleo template that focuses on lots of good healthy plants and lots of good healthy fats and animal products, and ideally getting more of our fats from healthy animal-saturated fats than plant fats because animal fats are much more stable due to their saturated nature, right? Plant fats tend to be a lot more unsaturated, monounsaturated, and they can be more heat unstable, right? And so the best plant fats that are out there are going to be your extra virgin olive oil, your avocado, your palm oils, and of course, the, the hallmark of plant fats are going to be your coconut oil because it's saturated, which makes it a lot more heat stable. And then of course, our, if we can tolerate it, high quality grass-fed butter, high quality ghee or duck tallow or beef tallow, good high quality saturated fats on the animal side are going to be great too. Yeah, I mean, hate to call them out specifically, but we've seen it clinically. The vegetarian, vegan people, they have a harder time with brain function. Not only brain function, but mood issues. You and I have done podcasts on depression. We've done podcasts on anxiety. Due to the lack of the good fats in general, unless they're trying really hard, we're going to see this issue with poor cognitive function much, much worse in vegetarian, vegan clients. And we've actually had some clients that have went back on meats and good quality fish and eggs because their brain function was so poor, they were literally failing at work. And I had a couple people people who were at potential job loss because their cognitive function was so bad after getting off of good meats and fats and just going with just plant foods. They literally had to for their brain function. I was, of course, very happy to see them perform better when we got those good fats back in. 100%. And of course, like just kind of a little crash course in organic chemistry, saturated fats, they there's the, the bond in between the carbons. So you have a carbon 
and then the other carbon that's connected to, it's a single bond, right? So it goes carbon, 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 carbon. And so for instance, like medium chain triglycerides are fats um, that are between six and 12 carbons, right? And like butyric acid, butter, I think is around four carbons. So imagine, you know, six or 12 carbons, they're all gonna be connected with single bonds in between, which mean the outer edges are gonna have three hydrogens or the inner part of the bonds are gonna have two hydrogens attached to it. Um, again, all you have to know is the difference in the bonds. So saturated fats have single bonds, which make it um, more flexible and ability to withstand higher heats. Polyunsaturated fats, right? Omega-3s or omega-6s, right? Um, the omega refers to how many double bonds there are in, in the fatty acid chain. So omega-3s have three double bonds, omega-6s have six double bonds. And when you have double bonds, it makes the fat more inflexible. It makes it more um, a lower smoke point, meaning it can oxidize and it can go bad. And so just know saturated fats don't have the double bonds and it's going to make it a lot more stable. And why is that important? Because our brain's like 70% fat and cholesterol. So if you're not eating the right ratio and the, and the good raw material building blocks for your brain, you're going to have a problem. And every cell in our body has a, what's called a lipid bilayer. So you have this little fatty lipid layer on the outer part of the cell. And if you start making or start using junky fats to build that layer back up, it's going to um, stress out your antioxidant reserves. And you're going to build really inflexible, non-healthy, non-communicative cells with very inflexible um, cell membranes. Yeah. And how does that manifest? Well, that's where some of the memory issues pop up. You forget your best friend's name. You go into the pantry. You don't know why you're there. You Figure, you forget which way you're supposed to turn when you get off the highway, off the exit. Do I go left? Do I go right? Even though you've been that way before, maybe you slip up on someone's name. Maybe at work you're slipping up in a presentation. You completely get sidetracked and you just can't get yourself back on track. Maybe you're unable to read. Maybe you're unable to retain the information you read. You have to read things multiple times. Maybe you hear someone like, hi, nice to meet you, John, and you immediately forget his name, that kind of stuff. Those are things that we see. It doesn't necessarily have to be Alzheimer's or dementia level to be considered a cognitive problem. So when we say cognitive problem, like everything else, there's a, there's a spectrum. You have the far end, which is going to be your clinical diagnoses of dementia and Alzheimer's and whatever else, Parkinson's. And then maybe you have like your brain fog, forgetfulness, memory issues. And I'm not saying that those people with those mild brain issues are all going to end up demented, but it's important to recognize those things now so that we can do what we can, like you said, to reduce inflammation, to try to preserve the neurotransmitters in the brain. So let's go into the nutrients if you're ready. Yeah, uh, let, you me, I... let me just hit one more thing. So we're talking okay. about diet, right? And one of the big things when people have chronic health issues, what tends to happen is we have insulin resistance, okay? Where the cells become numb to insulin, insulin basically helps um, glucose get into the cell. It also helps protein get into the cell. And when insulin becomes resistant, it's going to start taking a lot of the glucose and converting it and storing it as fat. Now that's kind of in the body. Now what's happening in the brain? Insulin resistance will manifest in the brain through our brain not being able to use glucose for fuel. So it's like you can have a lot of glucose in the bloodstream, but the brain's not going to be able to use it. So it's like the brain's starving nutritionally to be able to use glucose for fuel. And so you start to form inflammation in the brain and a lot of placking in the brain. 
Now, the same enzyme that helps break down insulin is called insulin-degrading enzyme. That enzyme, when there's lots of insulin around, gets wasted away dealing with insulin. The problem is that insulin-degrading enzyme has dual purposes. It can go in and clean up plaque in the brain. So it cleans up the brain. It's the vacuum cleaner for your brain, keeps the brain free of plaque. We know plaque has a negative impact on cognitive function and performance. And also, when you become more insulin-resistant in the brain, it's hard to use glucose. So starting to decrease insulin allows the brain to also switch hit and start using ketones for fuel. And ketones are very, people that have brain issues, that's part of the reason why they're reversing Alzheimer's with ketones. Now, the first thing we do is we, we don't add ketones in our body. We switch our body's insulin levels by restricting excess carbohydrates so our body can make ketones and start utilizing ketones for fuel. That's amazing. That's a huge kind of first step out of the gates, though. Because if we have this physiology there where we're insulin resistant and I'm recommending extra B vitamins or extra ginkgo or extra bacopa, man, I mean, you're, you're not fixing any issues, right? You're not, you know, you're not fixing anything. You're not getting to the root underlying problem. Yeah, well said. And then I guess that would also give people a false sense of hope and then they would come back to you and they'd be disappointed because they're insulin resistant, but yet you're giving them all these good brain nutrients and maybe they only had 5% improvement. Exactly. So you have to make sure the brain is able to utilize the fuel in the body already. And we have to switch out, you know, the insulin resistance. So the, the, the parts of the brain that are utilizing insulin and breaking down insulin can actually go in and clean up the brain instead. That's very important. Yeah, well said. I mean, that's the important, you know, foundation framework, huge uh, pillar, huge. whatever you want to call it, because it's impossible to circumnavigate that issue by just supplementing, like you said, Bacopa. Exactly, exactly. So a couple of my favorite things out of the gates, like I mentioned, are going to be high quality methylated B vitamins, you know, B1, B2, B3, which are going to be uh, thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, um, pyridoxal 5-phosphate, right, which is B6, pentathenic acid, which is B5. I think B7 is biotin, right? And then B9 is going to be folate. And then your B12, make sure it's either methylated, hydroxylated, or, or adenosyl B12, which are excellent sources of B vitamins. So those are going to be great out of the gates. Um, outside of that, things that support acetylcholine are going to be excellent. So either taking acetylcholine or using an, an, an herb called huperzine. Huperzine A is is excellent at supporting that. Um, I think here, um, a couple of the things that... Um, Acetylcholine really is very, it's, it really improves the cholinergic neurotransmission, which in, it basically helps with cognition, decreases the decline of cognition. Anything else you wanted to say on acetylcholine or huperzine out of the gates? Yeah, I've played with acetylcholine a lot. It's kind of the forgotten neurotransmitter. I think you and I have done a great job of kind of highlighting this. You know, we've hit on dopamine, we've hit on serotonin, we've hit on GABA, but man, you rarely have people talking about acetylcholine. So it's, it's probably easier to work in this mechanism, which is the huperzine is inhibiting the Breakdown. enzyme from breaking yeah. it down. So the, the acetylcholinase, acetylcholine, acetylcholine esterase, which is going to be, you know, it's an enzyme because the ASC, that is what breaks down acetylcholine. So it's slowing down the breakdown. And again, choline is something we find in liver, uh, egg yolks. So it's really important in like high quality animal products. And we're basically slowing the breakdown. Yeah, so you can do both, right? You can come in with the good foods and good fats, and then you can try to slow the breakdown of that. Correct. And it, it's pretty cool. So there, there are a couple papers on this, Hooperzine specifically. They talk about it. 
modifying the beta amyloid peptide processing, re- reducing oxidative stress. Also, they talk about yep. helping with the secretion of NGF, which is nerve growth factor. So that's really cool. And then it says here, finally, this is the research paper, finally, Huprazine A can significantly improve cognitive function in patients with mild to moderate vascular dementia. So that's pretty impressive. And I personally just take this ongoing. I'm not necessarily fearful, but I just want my brain to function the best. So I do supplement on and off with some of these brain nutrients we're talking about. Correct. And it also helps improve mitochondrial function in the brain. So we have mitochondria in every cell, uh, I think except red blood cells, right? And basically the mitochondria is the powerhouse where it generates ATP. And that's a really important fuel source. And so one, it's neuroprotective. So if you have chemicals or or not so good compounds floating around the brain, mycotoxins, whatever, it's going to protect it from being damaged. And it's also going to help the mitochondria of the brain to generate ATP. So that's important too. Let's talk about the next one on our list here, the EGCG, which is going to be the polyphenol coming from green tea, because this is really cool. The study here talks about the enhanced transport of huperzine is possible with the EGCG. So they found that when they were able to stack these two nutrients together, you get even more bang for your buck, which is what we find a lot with nutrients when you and I are working on gut infections, right? We'll find that the individual parts are not as valuable as the sum. When you combine this herb with that herb and that with that, you get a much more synergistic, I would guess you would call it an exponential beneficial effect, right? Exactly. We got wild blueberry next on the list. Let's talk about wild blueberries. So there are some cool antioxidant benefits here, but there are some papers. Oh, I wanted to highlight one thing on the EGCG, right? It also helps reduce the beta, beta amyloid plaque accumulation. So we talked about that, right? Because insulin resistance plays a big role because that insulin degrading enzyme, which is depleted when you have insulin resistance, that's there to help decrease beta amyloid plaque. And we know that the um, beta amyloid plaque is going to be reduced when we're taking EGCGs due to its anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects. That's awesome. All right, let's go back to the wild blueberry. This one's cool too. Some cool papers on this in regards to it being a potent antioxidant. They have done some animal studies on this to help increase the capacity of neurons to maintain proper functioning through the aging process. This also reduces some of the uh, beta amyloid plaque aggregation. It also talks about uh, how, of course, the mitochondrial function is disrupted and the wild blueberry extract helps to protect against that And then also, guess what? This is cool. It also leads to higher production of glutathione. So that's a pretty interesting little mechanism. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, a lot of those compound glutathione is a really powerful antioxidant. So again, they're going to still have like a a good anti-inflammatory kind of benefit. And again, you can get some of these benefits by just eating a handful or two of organic blueberries a day, which is going to be really helpful by drinking a little bit of green tea. So you don't have to supplement these things all the time. You can also try to get them in whole food sources. And again, it helps with mitochondrial function. It's going to help in um, decreasing apoptosis and cells kind of dying on their own. And like you mentioned, natural acetylcholine esterase um, inhibitor. So it helps acetylcholine increase. And like you mentioned on the glutathione. So I like that a lot. Uh, I wanted to bring one other thing in here is lion's mane. Lion's mane is a medicinal mushroom. But it's well, it's um, well established to be super helpful. So is um, reishi as well. Ganoderma lucidum, that's reishi. Um, but lion's mane as well is very helpful on cognitive fun- function. So it's going to help with a lot of different things. It helps with 
uh, antioxidant. It's, it's known to be helpful in uh, improving cognitive performance. It's known to be helpful at repairing brain cells. And again, just 20 or 30 years ago in medical school, they would have taught their medical students that the brain cannot repair. It, it, like when you damage a cell, that's it, it's done. And we know today that cells can actually recover and improve. So one of these mushrooms um, is gonna be a great thing out of the gate. So I'm a big, big fan of lion's mane. It's shown to be protective against dementia as well, which is awesome. It stimulates brain cell growth, which is awesome. Um, it also has some really and excellent benefits regarding depression and anxiety and mood. Uh, it helps with injury recovery, so it has some anti-inflammatory kind of benefits as well. A couple of studies where they did um, damage to, I think it was rats or mice spinal cords, and then they looked at the growth and the recovery on it, and they saw that when they gave these little rats lion's mane mushroom, it reduced recovery time 20 to 40%. And they saw that lion's mane extract may also help reduce the severity of brain damage after a stroke. And in one study, the lion's mane extract was given to rats immediately after a stroke, helped decrease inflammation and reduce the size of the stroke-related brain injury by 44%. So big, big fan of lion's mane and medicinal mushrooms for sure. And can you believe that's not happening in standard practice right now in the medical facilities? I mean, if you have a stroke today, you're going to go into the hospital and then they're going to give you peanut butter crackers for lunch right after. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, they should be doing hyperbaric oxygen. They should be doing lion's mane. They should be doing maybe progesterone therapy, which is helpful. They should be doing like a lot of the antioxidants and glutathione and nutrients that we just talked about, right? They're not. And it's just, it's frustrating because all these things are in the scientific literature, but you know, Conventional medicine, unless they can patent it or make a drug out of it, you know, they're not really interested. Yet everyone thinks that, hey, they're, they're giving you the cu most cutting edge care possible. Well, probably not. We know this is all in the literature. And so it's out there. It's just, you know, we all have our biases and uh, we're all about utilizing all the options that are there. And there's so many natural options that have been around for so long. Like medicinal mushrooms are used in oriental communities for, for very long periods of time. Reishi, cordyceps, maitake, very good immune boosting, immune enhancing uh, benefits. So I like that. Yeah, I've been taking lion's mane for several months. It's been a big help. I actually had a female client who she had a chronic tongue burning issue. This was one of those guess and check type things and it actually works. So she had some sort of a dental procedure. I don't remember exactly what, but we believe there was some nerve damage. And so she had literally chronic burning of her tongue 24 seven. She was just absolutely miserable. We got her on lion's mane and within two months, she had 75% reduction in the burning tongue. Yeah. So that was one of those random guesses and checks and it happened to work. So we're luckily, we're keeping her on it and she's maintaining her benefits. Yeah, it can modulate the immune system. It can also help um, decrease inflammation. Also, there's studies on lion's mane helping with diabetes. And we know diabetes and that insulin degrading enzyme help to remove plaque in the brain. So we know that the blood sugar component of lion's mane may be part of the reason why it's helping cognitive function. Yeah, and there's a lot of anti-cancer benefits to a lot of these medicinal yep. mushrooms you're talking about too. So we're yep. both huge fans. We love them. We take them, and you probably should too if you're listening. And these are supplements that are not super expensive. I mean, you're talking maybe 50 bucks for a really, really high-quality version. Yeah, and then also a lot of these – the, the big mechanism you're going to see across the board is you're going to see an acetylcholine mechanism. You're going to see an antioxidant mechanism, right? And so usually when you see – the ability to reduce oxidative stress, you also see the, the ability to reduce inflammation. Because when you reduce inflammation, inflammation drives oxidation. So oxidation is when you lose electrons. And so a lot of these compounds like lion's mane, they have antioxidants in them. 
Usually they have an, a glutathione supporting effect and then that helps buffer the oxidative stress because antioxidants come in, they freely donate their electrons. So when electron pair is removed, um, that can create oxidation and these guys come in there and they donate electrons freely and stabilize those cells and that reduces oxidation and that reduces inflammation. So that's pretty powerful. And so very helpful with um, inflammation and oxidative stress in the brain. Let's hit on another mechanism it's about improving the blood flow in the brain. We know that yes. ginkgo, which is amazing, ginkgo yes. has some what they call like microcirculation in the brain improvements. I love ginkgo. I've played with a lot of ginkgo and used it, and they're amazing, beautiful trees. If you've seen the leaves of them, they're very, very cool. I actually found at my old property, I actually found a rock that was like a fossil with well-preserved ginkgo leaves in the rock it was super cool so wow. ginkgo is like one of the oldest trees it's been around hundreds of millions of years but on that same vein of uh, cerebral blood flow you've got the vinpocetine which comes yep. from the periwinkle flower and that's really cool because it'll actually cross the blood brain barrier you know yes. there's a, a there's a lot we talk about and, but the truth is you got to get the nutrients across that barrier if you really want the benefit so uh, there's a lot of different studies on dementia related issues and vinpocetine quote, producing a significantly more improvement with memory problems than a placebo on global cognitive test regarding attention, concentration, and memory. It talks about increasing the cell membrane flexibility in stroke patients. It talks about decreasing platelet and red blood cell aggregation. It talks about protecting neurons from toxicity of glutamate. So this is a very cool nutrient. Exactly. And um, you mentioned the Bacopa and the vinpocetine, they all have blood flow enhancing effects. And we know inflammation causes increased aggregation of red blood cells and platelets, and that can decrease blood flow. And blood flow is gonna carry oxygen and it's gonna carry nutrients, right? And so the more we can decrease inflammation and get nutrients up to the brain, you're gonna feel better and you're gonna do better, right? And then you mentioned a lot of the, the big benefits are gonna come from antioxidant effects. Uh, they're also gonna come from the protection of neurons. So if we have any type of inflammatory or toxin around it, it's gonna help those neurons and prevent them from dying, right? Which is really important. And then also just to highlight, there's a lot of studies on gluten actually decreasing blood flow to the brain. And we know blood flow is a really important component. And there was, I think, one study on migraines and they, they found that, you know, the garden hoses, the carotid arteries that go up the side of the neck here, brings blood up to the brain. And in patients that were consuming gluten, they found that there was a decrease in blood flow. And in this one group, I think they restricted gluten and they saw 90% of them, nine out of 10 had your migraines went to zero and they saw an improved blood flow up to the brain. So we cannot, you know, underestimate the, the effects of coagulability, meaning reducing coagulability, clotting and increasing blood flow, better blood flow, better nutrition, and that can have major effects on the brain. And we know things like gluten and anything more on the inflammatory side will impact that on a negative side, on the, on the negative fashion. That's amazing. It's like, you should go to the restaurant and they're going to give you the going to give you the bread or give you the bun yep <laughs> here we're going to reduce your cerebral blood flow are you ready for this oh sure i would love to reduce my exactly. oxygenation to my brain exactly and you mentioned like a lot of the glutamate issues and that's going to be part of that inflammatory cascade and we know glutamate is shown to be an excitotoxin so it really overstimulates cells to the point they die and so of course, decreasing that gluten exposure and decreasing um, that glutamate and that nmda which is going to be stimulated by that glutamate, which is going to overstimulate our cells and cause them to die. That's a problem. And so we know a lot of these compounds, right, like vinpocetine and bacopa, 
are neuroprotective and they're also gonna help with blood flow. So that's a good component out of the gates. And I would say next would be one of my favorites, um, serotonin and dopamine support. So I have a product called Brand Replete that has dopamine or tyrosine and it's also gonna have 5-HCP and some of those key B vitamins out of the gates. I think those are kind of low-hanging fruit because those amino acids, serotonin and dopamine, which are gonna be building blocks of tryptophan and 5-HCP and tyrosine and phenylalanine, they're really important for serotonin and dopamine, which have a lot to do with sleep and recovery. And serotonin is a powerful precursor to melatonin, which is a powerful antioxidant. And then, of course, dopamine is a powerful um, focus and brain-enhancing kind of uh, effects, right? Dopamine's focus and feel good. I love you. That good feeling of satisfaction and helps with really focusing and studying and learning. So dopamine and serotonin have major important benefits on brain health. Yeah, and we're in a very chronically low neurotransmitter yes. population. And I mean, duh, look at the way society performs. Look at how everyone's addicted to everything. Addictions come from low dopamine. So Correct. you're constantly refreshing your Instagram. You're going to this social media, then that one. I mean, that's kind of a low dopamine state. And you and I have the data to prove this. It's not just theory. You and I have looked at thousands at this point of organic acids tests. And I will say probably seven out of 10 people I'm looking at, they have subclinical, I guess you would call it. It's not like a pathological level. It's not like a, you know, Parkinson's type level, but they're going to be on the low dopamine side and we can boost this back up. So the fun part is helping people to reverse this stuff. So I want to just you know, wrap this thing up and tell people that you can reverse a lot of your cognitive problems. And most people don't even know how brain fogged they are until they truly get better. So clearing out the gut infections, cleaning up the diet, reducing inflammation in the gut, getting rid of candida that's producing the aldehyde you talked about, getting rid of the lipopolysaccharide production, getting rid of any kind of toxin that's internally pooping in you, essentially getting rid of those toxins, plus dialing in the diet, plus the nutrients. Wow you can improve brain function 300%. I mean, it's totally possible. 100%. And the only other X factor should be if we have to work on detoxification of mold or heavy metals, there's special compounds that we would use, whether it's glutathione or various binders, beetroot extract, activated charcoal, zeolite, fulvic minerals. Um, maybe if we're doing heavy metal, we may use things like DMPS or ALA or glutathione. So it depends. When it comes to a lot of these more intense detoxification programs, you want to make sure you're healthy enough. You want to work with a practitioner to make sure that you're in a stable place to be able to handle that. It wouldn't be something I would say, hey, you want to improve your brain function, just knock these things down right away because you may actually feel worse. You want to work on the foundational things, the low-hanging fruit, and then maybe some of the um, more, I don't know, more general support that would be helpful like B vitamins or lion's mane or some of those herbs that aren't going to have, have a over-detoxifying effect, if you will. Yeah, good call. I mean, there is a point where you need a practitioner, the Lyme brain, the mold brain, Bartonella yep. brain. I mean, some of these bigger complex Chronic issues that I've dealt with. Gut infections yeah. for sure. They, they get intense. So if you do mm -hmm. need help, please reach out. You can reach Dr. J at justinhealth.com and you can reach me at evanbrand.com and we would love to talk with you about this, figure out what's going on with you and see if we can help. Absolutely. If you guys enjoyed it, give us a thumbs up. Click down below our links where you can give us a review evanbrand.com slash iTunes, justinhealth.com slash iTunes for that review. Put your comment down below. Love to know your experience and kind of, you know, applying some of the things we're talking about and to give us some feedback on things that you're already applying and what you're seeing improvements on in your health. We really appreciate it. Get us excited. All right. We'll take care. We'll be in touch next week. Have a good one, y'all. Bye now. See you. Bye.